Well, we welcome you once again on this first Sunday of 2024. I'm glad that we could um, bring in this new year and worship together as God's people. What a joy and delight if I have not met you yet. My name is Jay, one of the pastors here. And by, I declare by faith that we're going to experience God's mercies this morning. And Jesus is our living hope by the power of his resurrection. It's so glad that we could come to worship God. And if this is your very first time joining us, Thank you for being here because I, I realize how difficult it is to walk into a brand new space and not know anyone. It's, it's really brave. So we want to welcome all of our first time guests. And our hope is that together we would experience the tangible presence of God. Well, today we're starting a, a new teaching series called The Heart of the Father. And what we're doing is we're coming together to rediscover the love of God the Father and, you know, if you grew up in the church, you know that we believe in one God. Uh, it, it expressed in the three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. At the same time, I believe that God uh, uh, allows us to experience the three persons of the Trinity in a very unique way for us to understand the expressions of the three persons of the Trinity, one God in three persons. And we're going to dive into what it means to understand the heart of the Father, and so what, what I'm going to do is uh, this morning talk about what it means for us to actively live for God rather than just coasting and, and just existing in life. Now, I imagine that many of us over Christmas break receive some type of like gadgets or electronic uh, gifts, right? Now, before iPhone 15, like in the old days, we would get like electronic or digital clocks. And digital clocks would have what's known as a default setting or default mode. Like whether it's microwave or stove, what happens when you take it out of the box or you lose power or electricity? What's that thing that flashes at all times? 12, right? 12, 12, 12. That's the default setting. That's the default mode, right? And, and default mode is a, is a preset configuration it brings you back to the way it was. That's just the way it used to be and still is now at, some, at, at times. Well, did you know that as human beings, that we have a spiritual default mode, right? And here's what happens. Uh, because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, what's known as the fall of humanity, our default mode is selfishness. And parents, you don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish. They just are right? We don't have to teach other people how to be prideful. We just are. That's who we are. That's our default mode. We go, we go back to that. And it's because of sin, and the sin is a failure to love God and love others. And sin is constantly flashing at us, blinking and reminding us who we are. And so that as followers of Jesus, there is this inner conflict that we go through in life. You may not know it. It's almost like trying to lose weight, or trying to follow an exercise plan. Because I know that most of us, we know in our minds like what we have to do to get healthy, right? You should not be eating bowl of ice cream after 8 p.m. You should sleep early, wake up early, exercise. We, we know all this, but it's so hard to execute, right? We have to make those intentional decisions and choices. It's very similar to when it comes to pursuing Jesus. There are some moment-by-moment -moment decisions that we have to make in order to, for us to live for God rather than just coast into our default mode of humanity. So what I'm going to do is this morning is, is talk us through two different stories in Luke chapter 11. 
Luke chapter 11 is bookended by two stories that focuses on one singular uh, meaning. And, and I'm going ha- to ask you to go ahead and uh, turn there to Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 9, and leave your Bible or Bible apps open because I'm going to be uh, going back to it. And I'll try to preach uh, verse by verse today. But as you get there, let me, let me um, give you a little background to the story that we're about to read. The story takes place after the Noah's flood, and this is important to know because God gives Noah and his family a command, and the command goes like this. The command is for Noah and his family to to be fruitful and to multiply and to scatter into God's blessings onto the earth, and that command should sound very, very familiar to us because it is the exact same command that God gave to Adam and Eve, our first parents, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, for us to be fruitful and to multiply, have to have dominion over all things. Remember that? Theologians call this the creation mandate. The creation mandate. And the creation mandate is for God's people to have influence over every square inch of, the, of, of God's world that God has created and to cultivate God's grace and love wherever we go. So whether, whether you look at Old Testament or New Testament, you get this sense that Christian faith is a movement. We're to go we're to, we're to scatter. Like in the New Testament, there's, uh, the, the New Testament version of the creation mandate is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we're to go and scatter and to share God's love wherever we go. So this is where we pick up today. Chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Let me pause here. The the image I want you to have is this. There's a mass amount of people, the descendants of Noah, and they're on a mission. They are speaking common language. They have common vision. They're all together, and they're going somewhere. We don't know exactly where they're going, but we we know that they're they're living out God's creation mandate to go and multiply, to scatter God's glory wherever they would go. And, And where they were going is eastward. Now, this is very important to know because according to the Hebrew mindset, going east signifies pursuing the purposes of God. Let me state that again. Going east eastward, not all the times, but oftentimes going east points out that these people were following the will of God. So let me give you some examples. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, God plants Garden of the Eden. By the way, did you know that the name of the garden is not Eden? We think the name of the garden is Eden. No, God creates a place called Eden then plants a garden on the east side of Eden. And the garden is a place where God's people, Adam and Eve, would experience God's delight and his presence. Okay, so you get that east side. Let me give you another one. You remember the story of Jonah? So here God shows up to this guy named Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh. And there are a lot of bad and wicked people, but go share God's love. And and Jonah says, no, God, I don't want anything to do with uh, Ninevites. So I'm going to Tarshish. So if you look at the map, right, 
Tarshish is on the west side, the exact opposite of where God wants Jonah to go. What, what ends up happening to Jonah? He gets swallowed up by a big fish. All right. I'll give you another one. First uh, Kings chapter 17, God appears to a guy named Elijah. And he's about to begin a prophetic ministry. And God tells Elijah, go eastward, go eastward. So there are several examples in the Bible how going east symbolizes fulfilling God's plan. And this is precisely the reason why I believe the Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East division today. <laughs> Let's pray. We're done. No. Okay. Okay, so there's examples. So Noah's descendants are moving eastward. But here's what happens. Look at verse 2 again. Verse 2 says they settled, meaning they, they stopped walking. They, they stopped moving. And the word settle in Hebrew is yashav. And yashav means to uh, not rest, but it means to dwell, right? Uh, so when they stopped, they really stopped. This wasn't a restroom break. This wasn't a rest stop, but they really wanted to settle. And let me show you how, how much they wanted to settle. Let's go on with verse 3. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen, which is like a tar substance for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest be we dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Let me pause here. So when they, when they stopped their journey, these people, they decided to build a city and a huge tower that reached to the heavens. You'll see a, a, a painting from the 16th century of how massive of structure that they wanted to build. So, so these, these descendants of Noah, they wanted to make a name for themselves. They were not setting up a tent city. This was not a temporary housing. They're planning for a master plan community because they really wanted to settle and not go anywhere. And you can tell how much they wanted to settle by, by looking at, in the passage, what kind of materials they were using to build this place, this tower. Not stones, but brick. Back then, they did not have a brick factory. You would have to individually bake bricks and put tar on top of it. And one by one, create this monument. This is how much they wanted to settle. And this is what was a quite of an operation to stay put. And let me just pause here and, and share a, a, a truth about our God. You see, the heart of our Heavenly Father is that God does not want us to settle for second best. Settling is, is a biblical metaphor for not fully experiencing the presence of God. Settling is the opposite of choosing to live for God. It's a type of thinking where you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to take a shortcut. I'm going to just coast in life. I'm going to just take it easy. That's, that's not the heart of our Heavenly Father. And I think in places like here in the city of Dallas, there are some cultural pressures that we experience and we feel where we feel like we need to settle. And as I, I used to be a pastor to young adults, I worked with young adults for many years, and I, I just remember the enormous amount of pressure that single people would experience to settle with wrong kinds of people, where they were spiritually incompatible, and, and, and they knew it's not good. And I would say partly, this is due to the fault of the church, because oftentimes churches, we don't talk about God's gift of singleness, how God celebrates singleness for a, for a season or for a long term. And, and I think at times, even like our church can overemphasize marriage and married life 
to the point where we, it's, it appears as if it's superior to singleness. And that's wrong. And will you forgive us? Will you forgive the church for doing that? Man, God, God celebrates both singleness and being married life. And even married couples, they can experience uh, settling in marriage life. Because oftentimes, I think husbands and wives can see each other as roommates or transactional partners rather than sacred groom and bride. And I remember early on in my marriage with Lisan, I, I took her for granted. I expected her to do things based on my time schedule, that she would somehow magically appear and do things for me. So selfish, right? Christian marriage is about mutual submission, where we die to ourselves for the sake of our marriage partner so that person can, can be lifted up unto the Lord. So my encouragement for us is that in 2024, we would take these small steps, these, these steps toward Jesus in, in all aspects of life, money, friendship, school, work. We just, we just keep on moving and take those small steps, small steps. Even if we were to stumble, even if we make mistakes, that is okay. And here's why it's okay. Because what's so beautiful about our Heavenly Father is that our, our, our God has a heart of, of redemption. And that means is that whenever we do make mistakes, by commission or omission, that God's heart is to, to restore us back. God invites us back to the original vision. And see what God does in this story. Let's continue on in verse 5. And the Lord came down to the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are the one people, and they'll have, they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. There's a Trinitarian language. Come, let us go down. And they confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse 8. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. And let me tell you what's happening here. When God sees them settle, God says, okay, I'm going to stop this out of love for these people. And God says, hey guys, I know you can build, build this tower. I know you can build this beautiful city. I know this because I'm the one who created you. I have given you the, the mind of creativity and imagination. I know you could do great things at being an architect. I'm a great architect. And God says, that is, that is not my heart. Because if you, if you choose to plan, uh, plan something based on your, on your own gifts, on, on your own abilities, your own planning for your own glory, then nothing that you do from now on will be impossible. You will only attempt to do possible things. And God is saying, but my heart is for you to do impossible things, things that take prayer and sacrifice and, and obedience. Because you see, our God wants us to become kinds of people where we are prayer-seeking and faith-stretching in all things that we do. Therefore, when, when people see us, or people see churches around the nation, we want people to say, whoa, I've never seen you like that before. Where are you getting your strength to do that? How, how is that possible that church can do something like this? Incredible. And our response is simply, 
What is, impo- what, is, what is impossible with men are possible with God. Luke chapter 18, verse 27. And it's in these impossible situations and circumstances we experience more chaos than confusion. And that's okay. Look at verse 7. God confuses their language and God scatters them. God allows chaos to take place. And if year 2023 felt like little chaotic for you, for your family, for your children, for your business, for your career, for your work, or for your school, I want you to know that our God specializes in taking things that look very chaotic and disorderly, and God brings order, and God brings something very beautiful into God's future. And what God is doing is he's creating this sense of dependency, of full trust in him. And let me continue on in chapter 11, and I'm going to show you how this theme of settling continues to, to help point us to God. Now, I believe that many of us here, again, if you grew up in the church, you know and you heard of the name Abraham, right? But if I were to ask you, well, do you know the name of Abraham's father? You may not know or recognize his name. This is his story. And I'm going to just read verses, two, just two verses, verses 31 and 32. Here it goes. Terah, that's his father's name, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. There's that word again. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So Abraham's father's name is a guy named Terah. All right, you got that. And Terah is on this journey. He lived in a place called Ur of Chaldeans, and he's going to Canaan. Why? Because God told him so. I think we have a map of this. Take a look at the map. So what we're looking at here is the modern-day country of Iraq. He lives in Ur. He's going to Haran. So Terah's life mission was to take his family to go to Canaan. But did you read verse 31? Verse 31 says this. What did Terah do? He settled, right? He settled in Haran. Haran sits at the top of the Euphrates River. Haran is almost like the halfway point between Ur and and Canaan. And when I look at this map, for me, there's something wrong with this picture. Because what I see is a person not accomplishing God's purpose. I see a person taking a shortcut and deciding to settle for second best. I see an incomplete picture of, of trying to fulfill God's plan and this person in the family just coasting in life and terrorist life going to obscurity. We heard of Abraham. Why? We heard of Abraham because God had to raise up Abraham, Terah's son, to fulfill God's plan. By the way, what is another name for Canaan? Canaan is the promised land the land that God has given to the children of Israel for future generations of Israel. So God had to raise up Abraham to fulfill what Terah could not do and Terah's life go into obscurity. Now, where where am I going with this? You may say, well, Jay, how do you know that Terah settled for a bad reason? Maybe he was old. 
Bible says he's 205 years old. Maybe he just, he couldn't, he couldn't, maybe just couldn't go because he was so tired. What is wrong with that? And you're right. There's some interpretation here, but I would say this. We don't know exactly why he settled, but we know what he did when he settled by looking at Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. Let me read that to you. It says this. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped what? Other gods. Terah worshipped other gods. He settled spiritually by worshipping. What is other gods? That's idol worship. What is idol worship? Idol worship is the worship of self. That is going back to the default mode of humanity. Worshiping of self, where life is blinking, saying, it's me, 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 my needs, my things. And Tara, he, he settles. And I don't know about you, I want my life to count, and I want your life to count as well. And together as God's people, we are called to, pr to pursue the purpose of God. And the only person and the only person who can point us and give us meaning and purpose in life is, is Jesus. Because here's the thing. The heart of the Father is revealed in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the one who fulfills the creation mandate. It is through his life, death, and resurrection, the earth will be filled with his glory. In what appeared to be chaos and Good Friday, God redeems it on Resurrection Sunday, and God gives life, and King Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth. This is who we worship. So Highland Park Presbyterian Church, my prayer for us in 2024 is that we pursue God together, that we don't choose to settle. That's not in our vocabulary. Will you, will you allow, your, allow your elders to lead us to place of impossibility? where we need to be on our knees and we pray, where they're going to stretch us. As the spiritual leaders of our church, they're going to stretch us, and we're going to be good with that. Will you allow your pastors and staff to make uh, some mistakes? There may be a little chaos and confusion. That is okay. Why? Because we're attempting to do great things for God and, and, and pray for us. Because God has given us an impossible task to follow after Jesus. So let's commit together to seek the heart of the Father. And I would say to you that this table behind me, the Lord's table, ultimately represents God's heart, his love for us. Bread points to bread of life. The wine symbolizes the sacrifice of Jesus, his extravagant love for us. And God is inviting us to come to come. And if you are here today, and if you don't know this person of Jesus, and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to invite you to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to Jesus, and watch what he does with your life. Watch the purpose and meaning, and it's this incredible adventure that God's going to lead us eastward to God's will, to God's purpose. So it was on the night before his betrayal, our Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, saying, this cup is of the new covenant, sealed in my blood. 
poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And whenever you drink from this cup, do this in remembrance of me. And every time we eat from this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. We believe here at Holland Park Press that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. When Christ comes again, what is God doing? God is bringing heaven to earth, and every square inch will be filled with God's glory, and the creation mandate will be fulfilled. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. We come.